Hey podcast listeners, welcome back to the Luke Beasley Show. Just wanted to hop on real quickly and let you know that I am on vacation right now, so I'm still doing the full show, uh, but it is with a limited setup, kind of a different microphone and everything's a little bit different. So if you notice any quality differences, that is why, but the same amount of content will be coming out uh, daily that you're used to. With that being said, let's jump into the show. The January 6th Select Committee held another big public primetime hearing last night where they went through a bunch more information specifically about how Donald Trump on January 6th did not act for hours while the Capitol was being attacked. He sat in the White House dining room, watched this unravel for 187 minutes, three hours. He watched the Capitol, the Capitol get attacked. He watched law enforcement officers get assaulted. All of this go down, goes down, lawmakers being threatened, his vice president being threatened, and he just sits. There is a camera, as they highlighted during these hearings, just down the hall in the White House press room that's on 24-7, the Trump that uh, the president can address the nation from. He could have walked straight down there instantly and called off his mob, but he didn't. For three hours, he didn't. In addition to that, he did not reach out to the necessary law enforcement organizations as he should have, reaching out to the National Guard, all of these different people who could have helped intervene and prevent more damage from being done. So the phrase they zeroed in on was dereliction of duties, which I think is an accurate assessment of Trump's actions or inactions that day. So they had two people testify. We're about to get to a bunch of clips. So stick with me. There's so much to go through. There was actually too much. So we're gonna have to break this up into multiple segments as far as specific parts that I want to talk about in its own video. But this video will kind of break down all of the main points in one big summary with clips to go along. So that's what we'll be doing. But quickly, a few big points they made up front. Uh, the call logs were completely empty from 1.21 to 4 p.m. We know Trump was making calls during that time, but there's no logs of them. In addition to that, his presidential diary, nothing from that crucial time period. And on top of that, no photos were taken, even though the White House photographer was thinking, hey, certification of the election, Trump's watching this go down. I wanna capture this, but they said, no, do not take any photos. So there's a lot of missing information uh, around Trump, but obviously we get the necessary parts of it from people who ended up testifying during these hearings, but a little suspicious that there's missing call logs, missing documentation of what Trump was doing and who he was talking to during that time. As I previously had started to say, Matthew Pottinger testified during these hearings and he was Trump's uh, deputy national security, uh, advisor deputy of national security, and then uh, Trump's deputy press secretary also testified and both of them resigned on January 6th. Sorry if you can tell I'm trying to move through this really quickly because there's a lot to go through. Um, so both of them testified. They both resigned on January 6th based on what they saw. That's how bad it was because of Trump's inaction. And even when he did address the event through a tweet, it just was not at all enough. A couple last things before we get into these fascinating clips. Um, when Mike Pence was being evacuated and at this point, as we're about to look at his uh, security details were feeling like they might die. They were thinking they wanted to reach out to their family to tell them they love them. That's how scared they were. You know what Trump was doing during all of this? When his vice president was being threatened, when all of these lawmakers' lives were being threatened, he was calling senators, trying to convince them to not certify the election results. Whenever, because the certification had gotten blocked temporarily because of this attack, he was calling them to say, hey, whenever you do end up going through this process, this lawful election process. I want you to not certify the election results. Tommy Tuberville was one of the people that Trump called. Wild stuff. That was the lie. That was the plot that got us into this mess. Him trying to 
not allow the certification to go through, not allow this lawful election process to happen. And he continued that process while his vice president's life was threatened. Wild, wild stuff. So on that note, Kaylee McEnany, I know you all know who she is, the former press secretary of Donald Trump, in her testimony that was pre-recorded, uh, she was one of the people who gave this information about Trump being interested in getting a list of these senators who he could call and try to convince to block a lawful, a lawful election process. So let's go ahead and take a look at that. All right, then it says back there and he wants list of senators. And then he's calling them one by one. Do you know which ones he called? To the best of my recollection, no. Um, as I say in my notes, he wanted a list of the senators and you know I left him um, at, at that point. So he wanted a list of senators from Kaylee McEnany while people are being assaulted, law enforcement officers, the Capitol's being attacked, all of this is happening, his vice president's life is being threatened. What is he concerned with? Hey, give me the names of senators that I can call to pressure. Next, someone we had previously heard from, Pat Cipollone, who was Trump's White House counsel, so he was his legal advisor, was one of the people who recounted that everyone around Donald Trump was pleading with him please, please go call off the mob. All of these staff members were saying, please, Trump, these are your supporters, call them off, and Trump would not do it. Did you continue, Mr. Cipollone, throughout the period of time, up until 417, continue, you and others, to push for a stronger state? Yes. Were you joined in that effort by Ivanka Trump? Yes. Eric Hershey? Yes. By Mark Meadows? Yes. So the question he was asked is, previously you told us you were pressuring for Trump to make a stronger statement than the little tweets he sent out, which some of them were just provoking the crowd further. And Pat Cipollone is saying, yes, I did, as well as all of these people, including Ivanka Trump, pressuring her father to give some strong, forceful statement, encouraging his supporters to stop attacking the Capitol. The next really grim moment from these hearings was a security officer who was on the radio lines during this whole event recounted how at a crucial moment when they were trying to evacuate Mike Pence, Mike Pence's security details were getting on the radio and saying things like, tell my family I love them. They were so worried that it was going to get very, very ugly that they possibly were going to die, that that's where their mind was at. That's how scared these security people were, and that's how bad it all looked at that moment. The members of the BPT television time were starting to fear for their own lives. Um, there were a lot of, there was a lot of yelling, um, a lot of, um, uh, a lot of very personal calls um, over the radio. So uh, it was disturbing. I don't like talking about it, but um, uh, there were calls to. From their vantage point, this attack on the Capitol looked so bad that the vice president's security was thinking about telling their family they loved them, thinking they would die. Just heartbreaking stuff. And during all this, again, remember, during all this, while people think they're about to die in there, Trump was watching on TV for three hours and didn't do anything. Just really keep that in mind. So the next moment is the Deputy National Security Advisor, Matthew Pottinger, who was there testifying live, explained why he resigned on January 6th. To see that the president was attacking 
Vice President Pence for doing his constitutional duty. So the tweet looked to me like the opposite of what, what we really needed at that moment, which was a de-escalation. Uh, and uh, that's why I, I had said earlier that it looked like fuel being poured on the fire. So that was the moment that I decided uh, that I was going to resign, that that would be my, my last day at the White House. Uh, I, I simply didn't want to be associated with, uh, uh, with the events that were unfolding on the Capitol. So someone who was by Trump's side in the longer uh, testimony, you'll see he's very still complimentary of certain things that Trump did. This is not someone who just wants to stab Trump in the back. No, he was so disturbed by what he saw that he had to resign, even though he was totally on board with Trump all the way up until then. And I will say that reminds me, please don't forget, I think it's a great, great thing for you to go watch the full hearings yourself. There's so much in each one of these hearings. So try to watch them live or watch them after because I do my absolute best to give you all the highlights, but can't possibly uh, do all of it. So definitely watch them yourself. So the next moment we're going to look at is they talked about how the what the House of Representatives leadership and the Senate leadership were having to pretty much do what Trump should have done, which was call the Secretary of Defense and coordinate when they would be able to be safe to go back into the Capitol and say, we need you to act so that you can get them all cleared out so that we can go and continue this process. We're not going to let them stop us from certifying the election, um, which credit to the leaders of both the House and Senate for sticking to that and saying, we're not going to let them accomplish what they were attempting to accomplish. Let's take a look at that. And again, they're on the phone with the Secretary of Defense uh, saying, when can we get back in there to continue this lawful process? People keep us from finishing our business. So we need you to get the building cleared, give us the okay so we can go back in session and finish up the people's business as soon as possible. Mr. Secretary and Senator Schumer, some people here in the Capitol Police believe it would take us several days to secure the building. Do you agree with that analysis? Uh, I'm not on the ground, but I do not agree with that analysis. So what is the earliest that we could safely resume uh, our proceedings in the Senate and House chambers? The earliest we could safely resume? Uh, I, here's my assessment, uh, but I'm, I prefer to be on the ground, which I personally would prefer to be right now, but I need to be here. I would say that case, uh, we're looking at four to five hours. So, Trump should have been on, a, on the phone with all of these individuals from different organizations that could have helped to uh, bring some sort of, bring up some sort of solution to what was going on. And instead, he was sitting there silently watching this go down on TV and then calling senators and trying to pressure them. So just you can't get a more vile depiction of Trump's actions on that day. And another example of this is Mike Pence was attempting to do what Trump should have been doing. And Mike Pence was calling the shots, uh, calling uh, General Mark Milley, requesting his help as well. Here is Mark Milley's recounting of that. There were th uh, two or three calls with Vice President Pence. He was very animated and he issued very explicit, uh, very direct, unambiguous orders. There was no question about that. And, and, he was, and, and, and I can get you the exact quotes, I guess, from some of our records somewhere, but he was very animated, very direct, very firm uh, and to Secretary Milley. Get the military down here, get the guard down here, put down this uh, situation, uh, etc. 
So at the time that Trump should have been calling Mark Milley and sorting this out, it was having to be Mike Pence. The next moment that Mark Milley was highlighted for recounting was whenever Chief of Staff of Donald Trump, Mark Meadows, ended up calling him. Finally, someone close to Trump is calling uh, or, or directly operationally, you know, next to Trump is calling Mark Milley. What does he have to say? He's not so much concerned with finding a solution. Instead, he's concerned with the narrative getting out that Mike Pence is calling the shots. And hey, Mark Milley, we don't want that narrative to get out. So please try to change the messaging and make it uh, clear that Trump's still in charge, even though he wasn't. Said, uh, this is from memory. He said, um, we, have, we have to kill the narrative that the vice president is making all the decisions. Uh, we need to establish the narrative that, um, you know, that the president is still in charge and that things are steady or stable or what's that thing. I immediately interpret that as politics, 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 uh, red flag for me personally, no action, but I remember it distinctly. Um, and and uh, I don't do political narratives. And that assessment was correct. Even at that moment, that crisis moment, the consideration and uh, the concern of Mark Meadows and probably Trump, because he probably sent that message to Mark Meadows, was that the political narrative was getting out of hand and they didn't like the way that was going. Well, yeah, whenever you sick a mob onto the Capitol to threaten lawmakers' lives, to try to overturn a lawful election result, the narrative's not going to look good in your favor, especially when all this happens and you sit idly by and don't do anything to the point where your vice president has to get directly involved and start coordinating law enforcement's response. Just insane that that would be a consideration at all at the at that moment from them. And to just give you another representation of how vile Trump was, this to me, I always thought of him in a low regard as far as his character was concerned. But Going through the process of understanding all the information that's come out of these hearings and the uh, select committee's investigations has just really made me flabbergasted and completely mind blown with the deep, deep level of complete empathy-less void that exists in Trump, Trump's heart. He can't think about anything outside of his own, his own self, his own ambitions, uh, to an absolute wild extent. And so an example of this is while uh, Pence was being evacuated, people were uh, screaming, hey, Mike Pence, super scary moment. Trump tweets out, Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done to protect our country and our constitution, give states a chance to certify a corrected set of facts, not the fraudulent or inaccurate ones, which they were asked to previously certify. USA demands the truth. So at this point, the Capitol's being attacked and Trump is tweeting out the, the lie that caused all of this. Just absolutely, again, there's no empathy there. There's no ability to have any sort of compassion or a heart or feelings whatsoever for the people who are having their lives threatened. The next moment that happened during this hearing was the Deputy Press Secretary Sarah Matthews testified about why she resigned on January 6th. Those that we watched cause violence at the Capitol. Instead, he told the people who we had just watched storm our nation's capital with the intent on overthrowing our democracy 
violently attack police officers and chant heinous things like hang Mike Pence. We love you, you're very special. And as a spokesperson for him, I knew that I would be asked to defend that. And to me, his refusal to act and call off the mob that day and his refusal to condemn the violence was indefensible. And so I knew that I would be resigning that evening. And so I finished out the work day, went home and called my loved ones to tell them of my decision and resigned that evening. So of course, what pushed her over the edge was whenever Trump released that video, finally after 4 p.m. saying, we love you, I understand why you're angry, this was stolen from us, but go home and, and in peace or whatever. And we are gonna do a full segment on this never seen before footage of him attempting to record that video and attempting to record the video of him saying there's gonna be a peaceful transition of power the next day. So two just bonkers, kind of like blooper reels, sort of, never before seen footage. We're gonna do that in a separate segment, so definitely look out for that on my YouTube channel. It's crazy. He could not get himself to say the necessary things because he still didn't want to admit that he lost the election fair and square. So she was referencing one of those videos that we'll look at the kind of extra footage that they now uh, revealed, um, but he wasn't able to say the responsible things in that moment. And that is what pushed her over the edge when he said, we love you to people who just tried to murder his vice president and uh, murder all these lawmakers and caused all of this damage. We'd love you. So that's what pushed his uh, deputy press secretary over the edge and caused her to resign and now speaking out. Finally, to wrap this all up, um, at the end of all of this, his response, after the riots had happened, after they had attacked the Capitol, all of this has, had gone down. He'd witnessed it all happen. There's no question about if he was aware of the damage that was done. His response was to tweet out this. These are the things and events that happen when a sacred landslide election victory is so unceremoniously and viciously stripped away from great patriots who have been badly and unfairly treated for so long. Go home with love and in peace. Remember this day forever. So that was at 6 p.m., way after the Capitol riot had begun. And his response is, these are the things that happen. This is what happens whenever you steal an election, which obviously we know didn't happen. I mean, you could make some argument for someone who's really deranged to not see it until it all started going down and uh, I didn't realize my actions were gonna lead to something so terrible and I'm so remorseful and no. He's even more deranged than that. Not only did he build up his followers to do this, not only did he tell a lie countless times even as it was proven to be false, once he saw the effects of that lie and saw what he had done, his response was to continue on with the lie. His response was to say, yep, that's what happens whenever you don't try to overturn an election in my favor. So really dangerous stuff. He has to be held accountable, absolutely. Our democracy was threatened in a very serious way on January 6th, the buildup to it, and all of Trump's and his allies' actions in trying to overturn the 2020 election. So this is super important. I do think we should be keeping our eyes on, on this investigation and the information that's coming out of it. Again, we do have much more uh, out of this hearing, just kind of individual moments that I think warrant an entire segment. So look out for that on my YouTube channel. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter, Luke P. Beasley, and let me know what you think of all of this.
We previously covered the most recent January 6th hearing that took place last night where so much information was revealed specifically about how Trump could have acted on January 6th during the three hours that he was sitting in the White House dining room doing nothing, absolutely sitting while he watched the Capitol get attacked while his vice president's life was being threatened. He could have walked right down the hall, gotten in front of the camera in the press room and sent out something, but he didn't. He waited 187 minutes to do so, even though he knew all this was going down and he did not take any actions to call necessary law enforcement organizations to coordinate the response or anything. So we went all went, went over all of that in a previous segment. If you haven't watched it, definitely um, go check it out. But Another really, really interesting moment that I wanted to give an entire uh, segment to was Adam Kinzinger, Republican congressman, at the pretty much end of this hearing, gave a pretty impactful speech about what Americans should think about all of this. And I just kind of wanted to play it for you. I think he made a really good appeal to every American about why this is important, why we should be united around preventing someone like Donald Trump from getting into office again, and why he is responsible for what happened. So let's go ahead and take a look at that, and we'll discuss. Whatever you think about the outcome of the election, we as Americans must all agree on this. Donald Trump's conduct on January 6th was a supreme violation of his oath of office and a complete dereliction of his duty to our nation. And again, he's talking about Trump deciding, actively deciding minute after minute to do nothing, to do nothing, to watch this unravel on television while he was sitting in the White House dining room and do nothing when it was his responsibility to do so. So yes, dereliction of duty, absolutely. It is a stain on our history. It is a dishonor to all those who have sacrificed and died in service of our democracy. When we present our full findings, we will recommend changes to laws and policies to guard against another January 6th. The reason that's imperative is that the forces Donald Trump ignited that day have not gone away. The militant, Intolerant ideologies, the militias, the alienation and the disaffection, the weird fantasies and disinformation. They're all still out there, ready to go. That's the elephant in the room. But if January 6th has reminded us of anything, I pray it has reminded us of this. Laws are just words on paper. They mean nothing without public servants dedicated to the rule of law and who are held accountable by a public that believes oath matters, oaths matter more than party tribalism or the cheap thrill of scoring political points. We the people must demand more of our politicians and ourselves. Oaths matter, character matters, truth matters. If we do not renew our faith and commitment to these principles, this great experiment of ours, our shining beacon on a hill, will not endure. I yield to the gentlewoman from Virginia. So I know that's a longer clip than I usually play during segments, but just 
well, well communicated how important it is that we have to set aside, yes, even if you wanted Trump to win, even if you wish that the election was stolen, it wasn't. Time and time again, they attempted to put no evidence in front of courts and failed. So please snap out of it. And then it's so important because he's highlighting that all of the forces that caused January 6th to happen are still festering in America. And if we don't hold Trump accountable, he could very well get in office again, backed by all of this and cause a situation that is as bad or worse as January 6th. So it is a call to action anytime you see the horrible effects of an anti-democratic leader like Trump. Just, just seeing those actions should wake us all up to how important it is that we engage in a meaningful way with our political system right now. And we recognize the threat to our democracy right now, which is that an individual who is incredibly politically popular uh, among a certain part of our country genuinely believes it is more important for him to be in office, for him to have won an election, than for our dem democratic process to continue to function. And so, as Adam Kinzinger put it, it's about truth. It's about, uh, politicians living, public servants living up to their oath, which Trump did not do. And recognizing that such a dereliction of duty as Trump, uh, showed and, and acted on January 6th does warrant us all to throw him out as a possible, uh, candidate for any position of power. He should not at all be a consideration to be president again after showing that he does not respect our very democracy that he's wanting to represent. So great job by Adam Kinzinger. That moment, I think, really uh, made an impact on me just the way that he kind of communicated it. And I hope we continue to voice how important it is that even if you're conservative or if you're liberal who doesn't pay attention that much, that now's the time to pay attention so that we keep our democracy healthy and we keep it alive. Okay, this is somewhat of a random segment, but it's pretty much just gonna be Kevin McCarthy is a massive hypocrite. That's the point. So the January 6th Select Committee held public hearing last night. Uh, we've previously talked about this on other segments, so definitely go check the, check it out. But they highlighted how Trump could have acted and didn't to, for hours on January 6th. He knew that the Capitol was being attacked. He knew all this was happening and he didn't do anything. And one of the people who criticized him very aggressively for that on the day of January 6th and soon after was Kevin McCarthy. But then now y'all are aware he's a massive Trump boot, bootlicker and would not say a bad word about Trump has completely taken back all of that type of stuff um, in, in his public language about the event. He does not criticize Trump like he did uh, right during the event and after it. So y'all know how loyal he is now. For this segment, it's just gonna be looking at the fact that this man has no principles by watching some of the clips that were highlighted during these hearings uh, last night and realizing that people can be so spineless, so hypocritical, that they go from this, what we're about to watch, to the Kevin McCarthy we now know. Bears responsibility for Wednesday's attack on Congress by mob rioters. He should have immediately denounced the mob when he saw what was unfolding. These facts require immediate action for President Trump. Yeah. So he's willing to say Trump did not act fast enough, but it's not even that. It's not that Trump, oh, he couldn't quite get his hand to the phone quick enough to call. He sat for three hours, guys, and did nothing. This is an active attempt to allow the thing to go on whenever you wait for hours to do anything. 
Mr. Um, McCarthy uh, placed a phone call to uh, Mr. Scavino's desk line and it was transferred to the president. Is that correct? That's generally what I recall. Okay. Were you involved in making that, transferring that call? I, I, yes. Okay. So this is outlining how the executive assistant who was transferring the call from Kevin McCarthy to Trump uh, is, is, you know, recounting that. And this is about to talk about how Kevin McCarthy called Trump and was begging for him to do something and Trump did nothing. Where was the president at the time that he took that call? He was in the dining room. Would you personally reach out to the president for more support? I've already talked to the president. Um, I called him. Um, I think we need to make a statement, um, make sure that we can calm individuals down. Did Mr. McCarthy indicate that he had been in touch with President Trump? He indicated that uh, he had had some conversation. I don't recall whether it was the, with the president or with somebody at the White House, but I think he he expressed uh, frustration that uh, um, not taking the circumstances seriously as they should at that moment. Do I ask Kevin McCarthy, who's the Republican leader, about this? So then this is another congresswoman who talked to Kevin McCarthy about the infamous call he had where Trump, as you're about to see her talk about, goes, hey, I guess these, uh, um, the people attacking the Capitol are more concerned about the stolen election than you, Kevin. So just keep in mind, this is all within the context of knowing now that Kevin is going to go and buddy-buddy with Trump, take photos with him at Mar-a-Lago and get his endorsement for his reelection and just so in love with Trump now after watching Trump not act, even when he was the one calling uh, Trump, begging him to do something. Um, and he said, he called Donald Trump, he finally got through to Donald Trump, and he said, you have got to get on TV, you've got to get on Twitter, you've got to call these people off. You know what the president said to him? This is as it's happening. He said, well, Kevin, these are my people. You know, these are, these are Antifa. And Kevin so first he denies it, and then... windows and my staff are running for cover. I mean, they're running for their lives. You need to call them off. And the president's response to Kevin, to me, was chilling. He said, well, Kevin, I guess they're just more upset about the election uh, you know, theft than you are. And that's, you know, you've seen widespread reports of, of Kevin McCarthy and the president having a basically a swearing conversation. That's when the swearing commenced, because the president was basically saying, nah, I, I'm okay with this. Leader McCarthy, the president of the United States has a briefing room. So it, it continues on. But the point is, and we have one more uh, clip to get, to get to, the point is Kevin McCarthy was one of the people who actually got to talk to Trump over the phone while this was happening. And he listened to Trump tell him, well, Kevin, I guess these people are more concerned about the stolen election than you are. That's his response, not, okay, I'm trying to get help as quickly as possible. No, it, it's, it's wild. And Kevin can experience all that and then still kiss up to Trump afterwards once he realizes that the base is still pro-Trump. It's crazy. Okay, uh, last clip to look at, and this was the leaked audio that we all watched uh, or listened to of Kevin McCarthy saying that I'm so sick of this guy and I'm going to recommend that he resigns. I've had it with this guy. Uh, what he did is unacceptable. Um, nobody can defend that and nobody should defend it. The only discussion I would have with him is that I think this will pass and it would be my recommendation we should resign. Um, I mean, that would be my take, but I don't think he would take it. 
but I don't know. But let me be very clear to all of you, and I've been very clear to the president. He bears responsibilities for his words and actions. No ifs, ands, or buts. I asked him personally today. No ifs, ands, or buts. I mean, guys, he said, you know, he bears responsibility for his actions. I think that he should resign, all that type of stuff. And he's completely to blame for it. And then now Kevin McCarthy is a huge Trump loyalist, huge Trump apologist. It's wild. It just shows you some people, you don't even need to listen whenever they tell you they have some principle, believe about something because they'll flip it whenever it's convenient. They'll drop that principle on a dime and they will absolutely let their spine fall out of their back whenever necessary if it's political, politically uh, expedient. So Kevin McCarthy is a hypocrite. We are sure of it. Or I guess I should say, not just a hypocrite. Is that even a hypocrite? He's just a liar, okay? He's a liar. There we go. So the most recent January 6th hearing happened last night, and there was these wild moments where they revealed never-before-seen footage of Donald Trump trying to record first the video of him out in the Rose Garden, uh, way into the Capitol riot when he finally sent out a video requesting that his followers leave and stop attacking the Capitol. If you remember that, he's going, I love you, you know, this election was stolen, but go home with peace and love, or whatever he actually said, uh, that kind of sentiment of, we love you, but um, I need you to go home now. This was way too late, hours into the attack. Um, and so we had all seen that video, but we hadn't seen pretty much the bloopers, if you want to call it that, the kind of in between the parts that we saw, uh, the unreleased parts. So we're going to take a look at that. Some of it is just funny, Trump being weird and it's interesting to see, but some of it's actually really fascinating that he really did not want to have to have to say certain words that would put any responsibility on him for what had happened or admit that the election was stolen. And all he wanted to do while people were being absolutely attacked at the Capitol, all of this damage was being done was keep perpetuating these lies. That's all I wanted to do. And that's what these kind of bloopers, I guess that's kind of the main uh, word that I keep coming up with, reveal. So let's go ahead and take a look at the first one of him recording around 4 p.m. this video that he eventually did send out uh, requesting his followers leave. Good chase. Yep. When you're ready, sir. You tell me when. When you're ready, sir. Who's, who's behind me? Okay. He's gone. He's gone around. Clear. We're all clear now. I know your pain. I know you're hurt. We had a election. Let me say. I know your pain. I know you're hurt. We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election, and everyone knows it, especially the other side. But you have to go home now. We have to have peace. We have to have law and order. We have to respect our great people in law and order. We don't want anybody hurt. It's a very tough period of time. There's never been a time like this where such a thing happened, where they could take it away from all of us from me, from you, from our country. This was a fraudulent election, but we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. 
I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. When I got there. Uh... So again, he had sat by for hours before filming this video requesting that his mob stops attacking the Capitol. And it's just crazy that what he had to say was not absolutely denouncing it, absolutely calling all of the followers to leave. The violence is horrible. Instead, it's this, yes, the election was stolen, so I understand and we love you. And it's crazy. So this is actually the least um, or, or, or the less of the two crazy ones in my mind. The one that he recorded the next day on January 7th responding to this is just really, really mind-blowing because after reflection, watching all of this go down, he is convinced into giving a stronger statement, denouncing the event. But then you'll see in the in-between footage that they cut out, he is just absolutely not willing to say certain things. Whenever you're ready, sir. I would like to begin by addressing the heinous attack yesterday and to those who broke the law, you will pay. You do not represent our movement. You do not represent our country. And if you broke the law, you can't say that. I'm not gonna, you, I already said you will pay. The demonstrators who infiltrated the Capitol have defied the seat of dust. It's defiled, right? See, I can't see it very well. Okay, I'll, I'll do this. I'm going to do this. Let's go. But this election is now over. Congress has certified the results. I don't want to say the election's over. I just want to say Congress has certified the results without saying the election's over. Okay? But Congress is certified. Now Congress is Yeah, right. Now Congress I didn't say over. So let, let me see. Go, go to the paragraph before. Okay. I would like to begin by addressing the heinous attack yesterday. Yesterday is a hard word for me. Just take that. The heinous attack. Ah, uh, good. Take the word yesterday because it doesn't work with the heinous attack on our country. Say on our country. Want to say that? No. no, no. My only goal was to ensure the integrity of the vote. My only goal was to ensure the integrity of the vote. I, I know some of that is just funny and it's fun to see in between the scenes type deal, but the important part is he didn't want to say the election is over. Just, okay, I'll say the Congress certified, but don't say the election is over because he knew I'm about to spend the next multiple years saying the election's not over, that it needs to be decertified and it was all fraudulent and this, that, and the other. And so watching him struggle after seeing all the damage that was done on January 6th, all of the harmful repercussions of that, he still can't get himself to one, bear responsibility and two, uh, clearly wholesale um, admit the election wasn't stolen and, you know, commit to allowing Biden to um, peacefully transition into the position of president. So again, funny moments out of that, just seeing Trump struggle with giving a speech like that, but also really serious and grim moments where he couldn't get himself to say the necessary things, the responsible things, even after he'd had 24 hours to reflect on what had happened and, um, he didn't at any point during the Jan during January 6th or after actually step up to the responsibilities of the president in that moment. One of the things that was highlighted 
during the January 6th hearings that happened um, last night was that Donald Trump, while he was sitting in the dining room for multiple hours during January 6th, not acting, not reaching out to the necessary law enforcement organizations, um, not calling off his mob, sending out a video, sending out a tweet, directly calling them off until multiple hours into it. Uh, instead, he was still calling senators, trying to get them to commit to not certifying the election results once they continued that process. Obviously, got interrupted during the riot, but he knew once it happened again, he wanted them to commit that they weren't going to certify it. So while this was happening, what caused all of this? Him lying about the election, him claiming it was fraudulent, him trying to do this big plot to have the vice president, Mike Pence, not certify the election and senators get up and not certify it. And instead of realizing when he saw January 6th start happening and all of the damage that was being done and be like, ah, oh gosh, I went too far. This is bad. No, instead he's spending that time calling senators trying to get them to decertify or, or not certify the election. And it wasn't just him doing that. Some of his close, uh, unhinged allies were doing it as well, including Rudy Giuliani. Now, what's beautiful about Rudy Giuliani? He is not smart these days. And so, he did what you should never do when you're trying to convince someone into doing something that is probably unlawful, <laughs> which is trying to, you're trying to interfere with a lawful election process, the certification of an election. So you're trying to pressure a senator not to go uh, through a lawful election process and to stand up against and, and not certify the election. And so Rudy's so dumb that he did that over a voicemail. Not something you should do when you're doing uh, something this suspicious um, and, and this malicious as well. And so he left a voicemail and we get to listen to that right now. He called Senator Tommy Tuberville and uh, said, I see you stall for me so we can continue to try to steal the election. Obviously, he didn't use those words. Let's take a look. Senator Tuberville, or I should say Coach Tuberville, this is Rudy Giuliani, President's lawyer. I'm calling you because I want to discuss with you how they're trying to rush this hearing and how we need you, our Republican friends, to try to just slow it down so we can get these legislatures to get more information to you. So again, this is as the riots are going on and Rudy Giuliani is calling Tommy Tuberville and leaving a voicemail saying, hey, you know how we're trying to steal the election? Yeah, we need a little more time. We got to sort out this fake electors thing and kind of figure out how we can uh, pretend there's fraud when there's not. So anything you can do to stall the process would be great. All right, I'll uh, catch you later. Call me back if you want to help me overthrow democracy. Bye bye. Like, what are you doing, Rudy? If you're going to do this, don't put it on a voicemail. But anyways, wild stuff. Trump and Rudy and whoever else was involved absolutely should be held accountable. We cannot have a situation where we have elections, but then the only thing that will allow the election to, uh, or allow the election results to stand is if somehow the opposition's attempts to, you know, unlawfully reject them don't go through. Cause that's the only reason why everything happened as it did and Biden did become president is because their coup attempt failed. I know people don't like when I use the word coup sometimes because it sounds too like military tanks rolling up to a governmental building, but that's what this was. This was Trump's team trying to overturn the election results after they lost multiple times in court and Rudy Giuliani along with Donald Trump trying to pressure senators to not certify the election even though there was no fraud or no, um, you know, fraud that would affect the election. And so I just think that moment represents, first of all, how much of a 
like how much they were stumbling over themselves. And what it strikes into my heart is how scary it is that if you had more competent people trying to do what they were doing, we could be in a worse situation. But instead it was Rudy, you know, being all weird and uh, incompetent in his attempt to overturn, overturn the election results instead of someone more competent. So we absolutely had to take this seriously. Scary stuff. Uh, our democracy was threatened in a very serious way. And Rudy represents that in the most goofy way possible for something that is so serious. That concludes today's podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to drop a rating, write a little review, and I will see you tomorrow.